We're getting ready to enter into a time where we're going to focus the next few Sundays, starting next Sunday, um, talking about children. What does the Bible say about children? What, what should our attitude, what should our view be about children? God, uh, God, especially Jesus, makes it very clear how he feels and how we should relate to children. And so what I want you to do is I want you to think about that as we enter into this and then start thinking, God, use me, use our church to be in line how you want us to relate to children, both here in our, our church and in our community. And uh, we're looking forward to that. We've got some changes coming up and uh, the first Sunday in September that we're doing to help our children's ministry, and um, so we're excited about that. So <clears throat> this morning, <clears throat> if you have uh, your sermon notes, now <clears throat> let me say this about our sermon notes. You know, we have sermon notes and we have fill in the blank, and the reason we do this, there's a purpose behind us. No, it's not to keep you awake. <laughs> <laughs> but the statistics tell us that what we hear in 72 hours we forget 95% of what was said. So by Tuesday or Wednesday, if you don't take sermon notes, if you don't have that engagement in there, you're gonna forget 95% of what's being said today. That's sad. (laughs) (laughs) But now if you take notes and you fill in the blanks and you engage in that way, uh, you only forget about 30%. And so there's quite a difference there. So that's why we do sermon notes and fill in blanks. Now, you don't have to, and this is not a guilt thing. If you don't like to take notes, uh, I'm okay. You just have to listen harder, all right? So if you have your sermon notes, and then turn to the book of Mark. We're in chapter 9 this morning. So Mark chapter 9. So glad to have each and every one of you out this morning. And uh, let's just be open to what God wants to do in our hearts today and at this moment. Father, you just do your work today. Use me today. I'm an open vessel, Lord. Just pour out your spirit upon us. Uh, Father, just uh, break the word so that it's in uh, bite sizes so that we can take it wherever we're at. And so, Father, you have something for us today. So help us, Lord, to receive what you want to do in our hearts and in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we're going to talk about the transformation of Jesus Christ, also known as the transfiguration of Jesus Christ as well. And this is a perfect pattern for our own uh, transformation. So let's read in Mark chapter 9. We're going to read the account, then we'll go back and uh, through the verses and break it down. So, But let's read the whole... Uh, context of our verses this morning, Mark chapter 9 and verse 1. And he said to them, as surely I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. I'm going to go ahead and make a comment here before we go on because uh, we're not going to read this verse again because it's talking about how that Jesus Christ is going to die on the cross 
And then there's going to be great power manifested when he leaves and the Holy Spirit comes. So there is an empowerment of the church. There's a great, not only with Jesus Christ, but going through uh, uh, Acts chapter 2. And then it's, it's miraculous what happens there. So the kingdom of God is going to be present with power. And so that's something <clears throat> prophetic that, he, that he's saying to the disciples. So let's go to verse 2. <clears throat> Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Thank you, brother. Did you drink out of this? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just teasing you. <laughs> His clothes <clears throat> becoming exceedingly white like snow such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came, overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And suddenly when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with, with themselves. Now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things that they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept his word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. And we'll stop there. If we were to look at chapter Mark Nine, and compare Jesus' life at this moment in the story to a baseball game. It'd be like this. It is at the bottom of the ninth inning. The coach comes to the mound. The first baseman and the third baseman join the coach and the pitcher at, at the pitcher's mound. The coach says, good job. You're throwing a perfect game. Keep it up. Continue to do this. I'm very pleased at, the, at your performance, what you're doing. One of the players say, hey, listen, pitcher, there's only three outs to go. It's a bottom of the ninth inning, and, and, and we got three outs. You've, you pitched a perfect game. Let's take it on home. Let's win the championship. We're almost there. You see, this story takes place six months before Jesus is going to go to the cross and die on the cross and then his resurrection. So it's the end of his 33 years and he has this unique huddle on this mount with Moses and Elijah, the three disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John, and of course Jesus. Let's read again verse 2. Now, after the six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, led them on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured or transformed before them. His clothes exceedingly white. And when there's a word exceeding in the Bible, it is exceedingly, it is extreme whiteness. In fact, it goes on to say here that uh, such, like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. The whites are whiter than the whites. <laughs> it could be. I mean, there's, you couldn't bleach these whites any whiter. They, they are 
uh, uh, ridiculous, bright. This is Jesus. This is this transfiguration, this transformation that they are viewing. So you, can you see the picture? They go up to this mountain. They follow Jesus. They wonder what's going to happen. And the other part of the scriptures in Matthew and Luke, the other account of this story, is that Jesus is praying. And the disciples had fallen asleep, and they wake, and they see Jesus transfigured. And they see Moses, and they see Elijah talking with each other. And so they see this scene here. Now we ask ourselves, okay, that's cool. Why, why is this story here? You know, what is the purpose of this? Why, why would Jesus go to all that trouble, take him up to the mountain, and then have this special meeting, this huddle here? And I think it's for Jesus' benefit, but I think also it is for the benefit of the disciples. Because later on, or earlier in Mark chapter 8, at the end of Mark chapter 8, Jesus tells them he's going to suffer and die on a cross. And they don't believe him. They just disconnect with us. Constantly, Jesus is trying to warn them, tell them, for telling them that, you, we, that I'm going to the cross, I'm going to suffer. And they had it in their mind, no, we're going to set up the kingdom here. Jesus, you are here. You're, you're the Messiah. You're going to come and, and you're going to rule and reign. You're going to make everything wrong. Uh, uh, right to, uh, at this time, you're setting up your kingdom. That's why you're here. Well, he was. He was setting up his spiritual kingdom. His earthly kingdom still has to come. It's revealed in the book of Revelation. So Jesus is telling them he's going to suffer. You see, this glorious transformation is about convincing the disciples who knew what he was doing and encouraged them to trust the will of God. That this, he gives them this, this tall order, this something that they couldn't compute in their mind, and then he goes and he says, and then they have this, this revelation of the glory of God. Uh, Jesus is transfigured and the meeting of Moses and Elijah. And he's saying, trust me, I know what I'm doing. There's also encouragement to Jesus Christ because you remember, he not only was 100% God, and yes, Jesus Christ is and was God. Jesus was 100% God, but he also was 100% man. And he veiled his deity as he lived here upon the earth for 33 years. And he lived as a man to experience life. And there were times that, you know, he uh, was encouraged by the Father. He was encouraged. Remember the prayer before he went to the cross? He was encouraged. He, he, he laid himself out he, he, before uh, his heavenly Father. And this was a time that he was encouraged. But I want to, to make it personal here. I want to make a, an important point here that fits each of us as believers. The word transfigured or the word transformed, depending on your, your version, is a Greek word that we get our English word metamorphose. Metamorphose. And metamorphose is a change on the outside that comes from the inside. So it's a change from the inside out. You know the, 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 the illustration? Caterpillar, you know, changing into a butterfly. Robin, who is one of our preschool teachers, always has 
caterpillars and, and they watch it and they start naming these caterpillars and there's this transformation with these kids and they're in this cage and, and the butterflies and, and I've told the story once before but so one day they were gonna release him and they invited me to come over and, and watch this and so we sat over here at this picnic benches right here and they had about five, oh, probably about a dozen um, preschool kids, and they're excited. They even named the butterflies, you know, that's so-and-so, and, and they were so excited. They were gonna release these butterflies. And so they opened up the cage, and as they opened the cage, they, they, they encouraged him to go and free, and go on, and live your life. And, and, and one of them took off across the parking lot. And a bird, Cynthia, don't be laughing now, and a bird swoops down and yeah, Robin is going, no, 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 no. And, uh, but the other butterflies were safe because she escorted them all the way to the field and so they were cool. Metamorphosis, this is what this word means. Now it's important for us to understand this. See, see Jesus, his glory was not re reflected, but radiated from within. This is so important to get this. There was a change on the outside. At first, there was something within. And because it, from within, it went forth, of course, on the outside. The glory went forth and shone on the outside. So the first point I want you to understand if you're taking notes, Jesus' transformation was from within. And what does this mean? The glory of God was being revealed to the disciples by pulling back the curtain, which this glory had always been there. He had been 100% God. The glory of God was always there, his shining. You know, this, if, if you were to say this, and we wouldn't say this, but when you think about God, Jesus, this was his normal state, this glory, this shining. This was his normal state. The abnormal state was when he took upon flesh and veiled that glory. But there was a moment when he pulled back, God pulled back, and we could see, they could see his glory. So the real miracle is how Jesus veiled his glory most of the time. Now, the personal connection here, listen to this, the word transform or transfigured is mentioned two other times and it's connected with believers. So if you're a believer here, you can connect with this. This is where we need to really pay attention to this. In, in Romans chapter 12 and verse two, the scripture says, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the rules. But it says, but let God transform. This is the same word, the same word that was used to talk about the transfiguration of Jesus Christ there on the mountain when he changed into this, this like this light came on, this brilliant light. The same word is said to us, but let God metamorphose, transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The metamorphosis, spiritual metamorphosis, happens in, from inside. Can I just say this real clear? Religion reverses that. Man's religion says you try to clean yourself up and you try to do this and you try to do that and you stop doing this and, and you go there uh, and have this performance and it'll change in a, from the inside. 
Here's what God says. God said, no, listen. The change comes from inside to out. Paul said this again. He said it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. He said in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. Listen, are being transformed Again, same word, back to what Jesus experienced there on the mountain. Into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So did you get that? that into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And in other words, there is this process of metamorphosis that is happening. It starts as we receive Christ into our heart. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells with us. And we have this working out our salvation to the outside. It's this process from one degree to another. Some of you have doctor's degree in this. <laughs> I'm just still learning. I'm like in first grade degree. But we're all in different degrees of learning of this transformation that's happened into our life. And he says at the end of this verse, to make it very clear where the source comes, it's not self-help, it's from God himself. But it says, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. The, the same glory that transformed Jesus dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. Yesterday at the uh, men's breakfast, that was a wonderful breakfast yesterday. Man, Floyd. I'm still full from yesterday. And I was able to take home some of those, the French toast and his, uh, Elaine had made pomegranate syrup. Oh, it was delicious. And I still have a little bit, and no, you can't have any of it. It, it's, it was wonderful. I, I appreciate that. That was wonderful. But the other thing that not only the, the uh, physical food, but the spiritual, Joe brought this excellent message lesson yesterday. He talked about his own personal life and the transformation that happened when he was in college. And I encourage you to ask him about that. But he talked about the Holy Spirit when it comes and dwells within us. And as long as we put the Holy Spirit on the th in the throne of our life, then all these other things in our life start to, to work out, start to be blessed, start to be good. But we as believers can take the Holy Spirit and we can move him aside and allow ourselves to be on the throne. And that's when the problems happen, when we live our life out uh, by ourselves, when we, we stop this metamorphosis, we stop this transformation, we cease it and we say, no, God, I don't want that. I, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't want that. That's too hard. That's too difficult. That's too whatever. And we can stop that. And so the salvation comes and changes us inside and works to our outside. That's the second point. Our transformation comes within through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. You know something? You may be butting your head against the wall. You may be trying to live this life. You come to church and you try to do this the church thing good and you try to read your Bible. Maybe you just need to have Jesus to come into your life. Oh my goodness, what a frustration thing to try to live like a follower of Jesus when you don't have the power source to do that. That's the Holy Spirit. What a frustrating thing that it is to do that. Number three, point three, Jesus' transformation is a snapshot of our future glory. 
Praise God, well, one day we'll have a glorified body. You know, and many of you know my aunt passed away Friday morning, five years battling with cancer. Oh, my goodness, and she suffered. She suffered emotionally, physically. Oh, and she wrestled with us spiritually. She did, the, but praise God, there's hope. And, and when you see the transformation of Jesus Christ and this transformation, and then you see Elijah, who has been dead for about, uh, and Moses, who have been dead a number of years, 400, 900 years or so, they've been dead, and they're standing there with Jesus. This gives us hope. The transformation of Jesus gives us hope. Why, why do we have these two men before Jesus and the disciples? Why not Jonah? Why not Ruth? Well, Elijah appeared to, with, to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. You see, Elijah represented the prophets. It was like, like you know, when you look at all the prophets, Elijah just like came up there at the top, and Moses represents the law. Moses was the greatest of the lawgivers, and Elijah was the greatest prophet. These two men were the twin peaks of Israel's religious history and achievement. They were representatives of the Old Testament, and they came to talk to Jesus. In them, all history rose up and pointed Jesus on his way. Listen, some of you I know are reading your Bible, and some of you have just read, read the Bible, and maybe for the first time or through the Old Testament. Listen, when you're reading the Bible, and especially in the Old Testament, continue to look for Jesus Christ because he's there. He's there. It, it, is, it is a shadow, and, and sometimes you have to look at it, and there's a lot of types of these, but Jesus Christ, the Old Testament is revealing Jesus Christ. And then we come to the New Testament, of course, Jesus Christ is manifested in the flesh. And so the sum of the Old Testament is revelation comes to meet with Jesus on the mound. And they talk, and they visit about different things. Elijah and Moses may be talking about the future, what's going to happen, and I believe they encourage one another. Number four, point number four. Jesus' transformation is a clear declaration of distinction and purpose. The declaration of distinction, that he, that he wasn't just a man. And many people believe that Jesus was just a man, that he was just, a, you know, a, a good person, or he's just like one of the other prophets. But you see how God makes a clear distinction. This is not just a prophet, you know, remember what Peter says, you know, stands up and says, well, why don't we make these three tabernacles? And then Jesus, uh, and God, the, the Shekinah glory comes down and, and rebukes him and says, no. And then Elijah and Moses goes on. And he says, no, listen to him. Talking about Jesus. He stands out. He's a clear distinction is made. So while they are on the mound, what did they talk about? Well, Luke chapter 9, verse 31 gives us an, an insight to this. Jesus, who appeared in glory, spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. The conversation of Moses and Elijah was all about what Jesus was 
came to, his whole purpose to come, to come to save sinners, to die on a cross. You see what I'm saying? Is that in that conversation in Luke chapter, they were talking about the cease. I don't know, Moses could have, said, <clears throat> could have said something, you know, Jesus, I'm so thankful that you come and you're there and you're going to die, you know, and when, when, I, when, I, when you gave me the law and, and I looked at my life and I looked at my wife's life and my kids and people around us, there's no way we could have fulfilled your law. No way we could have attained the righteousness that we could have to be accepted by you. But Jesus, you fulfilled the law. You represent us. You're the sacrifice for our sins. And Elijah could have said, you know, Jesus, I, I know that, that you're getting, but Jesus, this is what we've been ta- talking to people. We've been, we've been telling people about this over and over again and how that you would come born of a virgin and, and you would die. And, and Jesus, you are fulfilling the prophets. You are making this right. And they talked about that which is the declaration of his purpose. Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, sent by God through the prophets, was foretold. So his purpose, he came to die. Think about this. So here's Moses and here's Elijah. Jesus is standing there. And as he's standing there, talking to them, they're talking about the suffering about ready to take place, the death in six months. They're talking about this. And here's Moses and Elijah. They have just come from you know, from heaven. They, they come from the afterlife, a place of glory where, where there is no pain, there is no suffering. They have come and they visit. And so it's like Jesus was standing at the doorway between the life and afterlife. And maybe it could have been, maybe even, I don't know, and this is just my imagination here, but maybe the devil could have said, why don't you just go ahead and walk through that door and forget all these people? Don't go through that suffering. Don't go there. Let's just go on and enter into the glory of God. Let's just let's get, let's get rid of this old, old flesh that was suffering. But he didn't. He turned his back on that door and went straight to the cross. That was his purpose. He always had his purpose in mind. His focus was always there. He was willing to do that. And it humbles us. The reason it humbles us is because he had you, he had me in mind why he would continue on towards the cross. Let's read verses 5 to 10. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. Let me stop here and give you a tip. If you don't know what to say, don't say anything. Oh, how many times have we said, well, and we just blurt something out without even thinking. Listen, this is Peter. And there he was, he didn't, he was, so he said this. 
And here's what God responded. A cloud came over, shadowed them. This is the Shekinah glory. We find it in the Old Testament, in the temple, and the tabernacle was covering there. We find it leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. We find it over again in the scripture. And a, and a cloud came and overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. He's saying, listen, listen to him. Listen. It was just almost that God was slapping him. Listen to Jesus. You haven't heard what he has said. You've got to listen to him. His purpose, his distinction. And then suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. And they came down from the mountain and commanded that they should tell no one these things till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept his word to themselves, questioning the rising from the dead meant. Our distinction, our transformation declares a distinction and purpose that sets us apart to bring glory to God, to bring people to Jesus. And the last point, our transformation is connected to hearing God. Primarily through his word. I know God speaks to us. I remember one time I was at a retreat and uh, a message had been given and we were told to go back and just have some one-on-one time praying. And I remember how God just spoke to me in such a powerful way, in the most powerful way where I had to literally, and I'm not trying to lift myself up, but I had to say, God, stop. I can't take it anymore. It's, it's, it's so overwhelming. Our transformation is connected to hearing God primarily through his word. We must listen to him. It, it is, the, is the key. Listen, your transformation is connected to God's word. Renewing your mind. And, and, and we will not have transformation unless we allow this word starting to transform us. This is Jesus' word. And as God is saying, and is listen to him. This is his word. The beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. This is Jesus speaking to us. And only through his word can we have this transformation. We can uh, process, continue process process this transformation in our life. All right. Today, do we see the glory of God, this transfiguration of glory like what Peter, James, and John experienced up on the mountain? Do we still see that today? And the answer is absolutely yes. You know, when I look at my life and I see how God has saved me as a young man. I was saved around the age of four years old and brought me to this point in my life. I can see a transformation in that. And you know what that does? Because that transformation came within, came in from what God is doing. And that gives God glory. That's the glory of God. Some of you, you're being transformed. 
And, and whenever we are transformed, you know, what Joe was saying yesterday was a great example of the glory of God being evident because of the transformation that was taking place in his life. And I see some of you where you, ha you have come from and where, where we have met you and, 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 and the little point of history that I know and how God has worked in your life and changed you and is in that process of changing you. That is glory to God because that is God's work in you doing that. That's God working. It's no magic trick or words and, and you know that we are doing just because we're gathering here today. It's God that's doing this work. I think even the transformation of this church. We drove up here this morning and said, you know, there are as many cars at 9 o'clock as there was on our first Sunday. <laughs> God has transformed this church where there is a testimony in this community that God is doing something in this, in this body. That's glory. That's God. That's like this bright light, this, this brilliance that is coming from God himself working in us and through us. You see, whenever we read the Bible, we are overcome with his word. That gives the glory of God. Whenever you read a passage and say, oh, wow, that's so good. It's like standing on the mountain transforming. Oh, God, let's make three tabernacles. You're so overwhelmed by that. I just want to stay right there. But when you're in your prayer and you're on your knees and God just speaks to you and he overwhelms you about something and, and you just praise God. Or when you're in worship and Michael's leading us and, 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 and even today that you just, you know, overwhelmed by the truth and, and you just know that God is there and in your presence and you, you experience in the glory of God. We see transformation happening in all our lives as believers. And then one day we experience complete transformation. We enter a place of glory and everything about us will be completely glorified by God. Let's pray. Glorious Heavenly Father, Thank you for sharing this story with us. It does us good to hear how you deeply love us, how you can transform us into your image. We are grateful for the Spirit of God that indwells us. We desperately need that, need you. We are thankful for that great transformation that you are doing in us and through us. Lord, help us not to resist the change, but embrace what you are doing. Allow you to sit on the throne of our heart and bring greater joy and greater glory through our lives in the precious and glorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.